What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We just finished up talking about how the NFL could potentially be rigged, uh, according to the mass audiences. Um, and, you know, here, here's some points to add to that before we officially move on and get to Brian. I can understand why people think like that throughout the game, you know, and especially with how amplified this game was, all eyes are on the officials to call the correct game. I'm going to use that term loosely because there's mistakes. It happens all the time. You miss different plays. We were talking during the break, DB. Holding happens on one play. Holding's not called on another play. And, like, there's always points in the game. Ask Chris Jones. How many times he was held yesterday? There were, there were so many points in the game to where you could it say, just, like, ooh, there was a hold there. Mm, that could have been a hold there. Oh, that could have been a block in the back. Like, there were, there were a lot of calls that could have been made, especially in that night game. But let's, let's think about it from this case. There is a lot of people leaning toward the NFL is rigged argument because of stories in the past, right, of – some officials gambling on games or, you know, some outcomes being predicted for, for other reasons, especially when this it isn't involves Lakers Kings. Anyway. I know, especially when it involves money. So that's why it makes people wonder one way, shape, or form. It's because it happened in the past. But the problem right now, I think, is that there's no accountability to the NFL itself because you have part-time officials, you don't have any full-time officials. Now those guys are doing pretty well now. And the, and they they're doing fine, but I'm saying nobody is like, "Hey, you are a full-time official of the NFL." Whereas if things like this go wrong, they could just be like, "Oh, well, we'll just move on and get the next guy." Like there's there's nothing that ties back into the name itself. Does that make sense? No, I understand. Uh, so you realize what happened yesterday? Again, no volume for a stretch during the Eagles-Niners game. I just was playing games within the game, wanting to look at blocking schemes and trying to see what, like, Warner and Green, like, what those guys were seeing, right? Do you realize, uh, God is my witness, there was a stretch where I felt like I know I'm seeing a false start, but maybe I'm missing something because the audio, the mo... Listen... Maybe I was getting some lag where I was like, how is nobody calling this a false start? So I convinced myself that I thought it was me. I'm like, I felt like I was watching the Rodney King deal and they were back in court and and your boy was like, now what you're seeing is not really what you're seeing. How come it isn't? It's on video. Like I'm watching it in super slow-mo. It is exactly what I'm seeing. But I say all that to say, how would those not flags? I watched my man pull, and he said it in the post game. For the second time today, DB he is goes, on his feet. I was getting away with some false starts there. <laughs> my man was playing right tackle. He's in his little kick step. He's here 
getting ready to pull. Mm-hmm. The ball isn't even snapped. I was like, I've seen Remington. He was pretty sweet at Nebraska getting off the ball. But what is going on? What is going on? And you're going to get me on an illegal hands automatic first down, which <laughs> is by far the worst rule in competitive major sports. The five-yard penalty automatic first down is trash. If the rules in the competition committee want to make this game a little more balanced, have that be a five-yard penalty and keep it pushing. Man, the automatic first down is garbage how many yards does it take to get a first down? Ten. Oh. So I don't know Ten why yards. five. Would, it's the, it makes no sense. And if it happens when it does and it's not mm-hmm. P.I., it's not like you're saving a touchdown. It's not like you're wiping points off the board. Go on somewhere. That's a terrible rule. Right? If you're the Eagles, you think you're not mad about that roughing the punter? How hard is that to fix? Right. <laughs> like... I don't know. Like, we could complain about a lot of things, but not, not whether a guy was hit late out of bounds. Like, let's be honest. Let's take some truth serum. You watched Tafonga push Jalen Hurts out of bounds. You watched Osai push Mahomey out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Total unbiased. Which one was worse? You asking? Yeah. The first one. You think Hafangas was worse than Osai's? No, the second one. Osai's was the worse, second right? One. Did anybody say? Connecting the dots. It's okay. the second one. <laughs> did, did anybody say, oh, man, it's already a blowout. Don't call that. No. No one said that about Hafanga pushing Hurts out of bounds. Right. You know what we said? Oh, he's a bad sport, man. It's getting out of control. You think Mahomes flopped a little bit? Uh, uh, Fudge. Do you think he tried to sell yeah, it? Yeah, on, on those good wheels, he had presence of mind to flop. <laughs> Dude could barely walk. And it doesn't have anything to do with the injury. It's like, did, did, did anybody killing say, because you know me, me. I'm, a, I'm a context guy. So if you're going to tell me don't make that call in crunch time, then you got to be the same guy or gal that says, the Niners are getting their teeth kicked in. They're in their fee-fees their a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that what the kids say? The beefies. Don't make that call. No one said that. You know what Greg right. Olson said? Oh, man. Tempers are flaring. It's getting, mm-hmm. you know. It's getting before, trippy. They're, it's, they're unraveling. How about the three rounds, too? Like, punching for the football? <laughs> Dude, the slow-mos on <laughs> Shanahan, I felt so bad. Because in a blowout like that, you know, guys in the truck are, like, looking for stories. It's like, oh, God, they're on their 38th quarterback. Mm -hmm. McCaffrey just threw a pass to no one. They're, like, totally scrambling, right? And the super slow-mos and the lip reading, and I love doing that because, you know, I'm a big caption guy. I didn't have the heart to do it because my buddy's a Niners fan, and I didn't (laughs) want him pissed at me. But Shanahan said he's Going after the ball. Which, by the way, if Greenway is not left-handed, I, I would seriously – now, I wouldn't spar with him because I've been whipped enough in the gym. But if he's not left-handed, you'd, his you're accuracy away. was on point. Oh, yeah. And maybe it was because he's got the Lee Majors bionic arm <laughs> on the right hand with the padding. But do, 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 do,
I don't know, man. I, we were doing too much yesterday. Just doing way too much. 60% of the audience thinks the NFL is rigged, by the way. 39.5%. If you don't no. stop. 130 votes so far. Hey, okay. Let's go to the phones. Brian, you're on line one. Here to talk about officiating. I actually did some basketball officiating over the weekend. We can talk about that, too. But uh, he's, he's here yes. to talk about the officiating in Boston. What's up, Brian? What's going on, fellas? My dude. What's up, buddy? Good morning to you. Well, you know, I heard that you watched that uh, NFC championship game from Dallas Cowboy Hill. I boycotted it like the 1980 Olympics. <laughs> um, I didn't want to watch it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I had bad thoughts in my head. They won't say nothing. I've been mean if I watch that game. No. Wow. But I, my, my, my issue, I got two issues when it comes to officiating basketball that I hate. The referees don't enforce. And I know you heard this before. The hand is part of the ball. Mm-hmm. Which basically means draw a line at the wrist. If you hit the person in the hand above the wrist, it's not a foul, even if they have their hand on the ball, because you're allowed to do that by the rules. It's if you hit below the wrist, it's a foul. So in saying that, when I watch Patrick Beverly foul that they call on him, is Jaden <laughs> Brown when he hit the ball or the hand, then turn around the next play and not call a foul for LeBron <laughs> right up under the rim. If you think about it, both the refs had the same aspect. The hands are coming down from the top to see the, uh, the under the arm, you can't really tell from that position if it hits unless you hear a sound. So I don't see why one ref on the other end called a foul and then the other ref the next play didn't call the foul. That's the inconsistency that I can't stand with officials even without officiate. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's hard. And, and it's not just because so many of you guys are... Over and say, hey, B, if you it, don't call this man, I'm going to foul you. It's not just because so many of you guys are my friends, right? Like, there's so many guys that ref in the Metro, and I, and I know it's hard. It's, it's just that I think it's – I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the way I was raised. I just want some consistency. That's, I just want consistency. And I think it's and because – me, personally, if I don't, I'm, every ref doesn't do this. I know a problem we have here is a lot of guys just go buy shirts, but they don't go get a book and read it. Listen, I, I don't know the difference the between, I have a problem with. between playing in a game in 93 and feeling like they cheated their ass off, B. Like, that's how I feel. I feel like that game was as poorly officiated a game as I've ever seen when we played Florida State. And we were told and you, specifically, unless you you're Trev Alberts. Yeah, because unless, 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 unless you're Trev Alberts and you're about to go get paid because he went off in his post game about the officiating, <laughs> we were told not to say anything. We, we were conditioned, play the game better, make more plays, catch balls, don't push guys out of bounds when they're driving. And so yeah, I'm just, that, I, I'm conditioned. Not, it's just not what not I, doing what I just don't like to do. it, They're man. not consistent it, it's or hard. calling the calls right. Hey, it kind of makes you feel like, hey, I did that for not. I just, that's what <laughs> hey, I, I just LeBron's want theatrics, though, B. Can we give him a nine on that because <laughs> he wears me out. <laughs> yes, Brian, appreciate your time, man. Hey, we're going to talk to Vinny Iyer next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Isaiah Pacheco will be the running back. Chiefs have Kelsey walking out as a flanker to the left side. Since he was six men up on the line of scrimmage. Fake a delayed blitz. Mahomes will fire it late for the end zone. Caught! Marquez Valdez-Scantling on his backside. Touchdown! Kansas City! Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a 19-yard reception on third down and 10. Welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876 to get involved. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, we're live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Talking a lot of NFL in the first hour, and we will continue doing so right now with Vinny Iyer, NFL writer for Sporting News. Vinny, good morning. Good morning. How's it going, guys? Vinny, good to talk to you again. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Hey. Vinny, you know, the big thing going around uh, the world of Twitter right now is, is the NFL rigged? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a hard thing to unpack here, um, for sure. Um, um, but, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's uh, hard when you lose a game that way, but that's what's happened here, right? The NFL is a game of inches, and every little thing counts and adds up to the cumulative result, so... It is just really hard to uh, think about that. So it is uh, hard if you're a Bengals fan. It's hard if you're a 49ers fan. I mean, there were, there was a rule that uh, affected the 49ers where they couldn't have a third quarterback there available, and that was it. Once they didn't have anyone who could pass the ball, I mean, you saw the 49ers. They were just so defeated by, like, knowing they didn't have a chance to win the game. And that shouldn't be happening in the biggest game. I mean, it's not going to happen in other sports. You're always going to have a goalie or a guy that you can bring in on the basketball court if uh, a lot of guys get injured, that you're still going to have an option. But they didn't have any options. And then the Bengals, I mean, getting an extra down for the Chiefs, it was just a mess. It was not a very good officiating look for the NFL. Vinny, which happens first? All 53 men are active on a roster or they change the automatic first down on an illegal contact? <laughs> defensively a five-yard penalty netting a automatic first down which would you like to see change first Vinny I would actually like to see just things being more auto-reviewed to be honest I'm just tired of seeing games and this is he going to challenge are they not going to challenge let's stop this let's just look at every play and get it right and I don't care if it stops the game or not I just don't feel like okay should he do it is he going to use a timeout this is just silly to me. Just get the call right. Like, we should have the burden of proof here. There's a lot of stake for these teams. There's all these officiating pieces of technology. There's command center. Get it right. With Devonta Smith call, like, just help. I mean, it shouldn't be a gamesmanship tactic where the Eagles kind of snap the ball and that's it. And the 49ers don't have time to actually get the right angle to look at it. So they're all little things that, that the NFL could clean up. From a fan's perspective, that would make the game so much better. Vinny, let me ask you something, and I'm not I'm not here for championing officiating, but let me ask you: do, at any point, have you thought, like, man, these guys are so 
big and strong now. Things happen so bang, bang with being explosive that you feel like the eye hasn't caught up with the caliber of athleticism that we're seeing. I mean, I think that's definitely a part of it. I mean, just these guys that are officiating and women, they're in good shape and they're in good professions and they're used to doing a lot, processing a lot of mental things. But but at some point, I mean, you just have to say, okay, so it's, uh, it, it's got to find a way. They've got to find a way here and maybe just putting more people on the field or just having a system where it's not a reward, kind of based where, okay, you threw the challenge at the right time and get this call to overturned or the calls that are judgmental with the holding or the five-yard penalties, as you mentioned, those need to be a little bit more discernible in these games. And that's what I struggle with the most is that, I, I hate it. I hate it as much as anyone. And everyone say they're undisciplined, but the bottom line is that a lot of these teams are doing the same tactic. And one time it gets caught because it happens right in front of an official. Another time it just gets blatantly missed. It, it, it's just difficult because, again, these teams are going to push it as far as they can with the rules. And we saw the Chiefs get physical in coverage, and they got away with a few, but they made plays in the end that helped them win the game that they just wanted to kind of test the boundaries of the officials. And you saw with the Eagles, I mean, it, it was just uh, getting guys in the right position. The 49ers were capable of getting off the field so many times in that game. And yeah. Little things happened here and there. So I, I just wanted to be called fair on both sides. And sometimes I feel like it's not, and it just piles up on one team. We're speaking with Vinny Iyer, NFL writer for Sporting News, at Vinny Iyer on Twitter. Vinny, last week we got into conversation about Nebraska football, if they are in rebuild or reset mode. And back in April, the same conversation was being talked about with Kansas City, if they were in rebuild mode, reload mode, or caught in the middle. Based on what you've seen from this team this year and how far they've gone, did they squash the rebuild argument, or did they just exceed the expectation, and that's actually where they fell at the start of the year? Well, I think what you're seeing now is what the Patriots were with Tom Brady, in that, in that sense that they're always going to be contenders. There's always a reload mode. It's always adjusting based on the salary cap, what you can afford, what you can't afford. What they looked at with this roster and said, okay, Tyreek Hill, we already have Travis Kelsey. We want to get the most out of him before he has to hang it up here. He's locked in. We feel comfortable that if Patrick Mahomes just says Travis Kelsey is his go-to guy, we can make it work with these other guys. We can piece it together. And we saw that. Marcus valdez Scrambling has made some big plays in the playoffs. So even with Juju Smith-Schuster hurting, there's Tony going down. Ty Moore has been limited here in impact as a rookie. So they're still getting it done with different guys. And then when they need to, they get played out of Isaiah Pacheco or Derek McKinnon. And they just do a great job of drafting. And that's what the Patriots did, right? They just kept complimenting things that Tom Brady needed, little things offensively, kept some staples there with the offensive line being mostly intact with a few changes, but making sure he had enough weapons and that he could run the ball. And then defensively, doubling guys in and out. And that's, you got to say something about this draft for the Chiefs because it's really having an effect on their season right now. 
all those young defensive backs coming through, Pacheco. It was a fantastic draft by Brett Veach and Andy Reid. And that's how you keep it going. You, you get the cheap players, still roles, knowing that you have an elite quarterback that gives you a high floor to win a lot of games. Shocker that one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, has a fantastic front office. And let's not even mention what they've done fiscally in their cap. Uh, Vinny, let me ask you something about Nick Sirianni. In your opinion, how did he go from the quirky guy that was super aloof and we had all the gifs of the funny expressions and going for it on fourth down and being unconventional to a Super Bowl participant in two years? Well, he had a lot of help, too, from his front office in Howie Roseman. And what I do like about Howie Roseman, he cut me on that Carson Wentz contract. As soon as he knew it was, gonna work, it was not going to work, he had to get out of it. He was binding the Eagles, right? They paid Carson Wentz so much money that the rest of the team, they didn't have a lot to invest. What happened? They make this astute pick to Jalen Hurts, just seeing what he can do. All of a sudden, Hurts is the better option quarterback. You're paying a second-round rookie, and then they're like, okay, we got to take advantage. We're not paying our quarterback a ton of money anymore. Let's go out and get him in receiver while we can. They got Devonta Smith. They traded for A.J. Brown. And you see this offensive line come together that that was a staple, just like with the Chiefs. That's the one thing that you have to have. That offensive line, that running game, that system is going to be your backbone. And then build around all that. Now they can afford the weapon while the Chiefs uh, said, okay, we need to move on from Hill. We can't pay Hill and, and Mahomes, but they can definitely pay Brown, Smith, and Hurts at this point in Philadelphia. And then they said, okay, let's load up on defense. Let's make a run with these veterans, get some depth here, splurge a little bit on free agency on Hassan Reddick, get some plays. So that, that's what you have to do. You just have to realize the trajectory of your team, jump on it fast, put guys in position to succeed. And I think the biggest thing that Sirianni and his staff have done have has been adjusting to down Hurts, made an offense that is built around his strengths, getting him to be a better passer and more efficient, and getting him the weapons he needs to do so. So I think that's why the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. They're joining the Chiefs because, again, you, there's two approaches. To have that elite quarterback at the top of the league that you just fill pieces around him or take advantage of a quarterback who surprises you. It doesn't happen all that often. You can't predict it. And then uh, going after the championship that way with the rest of your roster. Very, you're, Vinny, you're very smart and astute. Quickly, which narrative reigns supreme? The two brothers? The two brothers at quarterback? Or the fact that Andy Reid gets to face his old team? Two weeks, narratives. Which one will you be exhausted by? I'm already exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe like less than 24 hours. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hear a lot about Andy Reid and playing face his former team. Everyone knew that was coming. And the Kelsey brothers, look, it, it's a fantastic thing. We never saw a page for the line. So this is the one we're taking right now is that that's what we have in this game. And we just have to accept that uh, what's happening here and we're going to hear a lot about it. But when I look, about it, look at things, I mean, it's also an important thing that's happened in the NFL. This is a storyline I think needs to be talked about more. It's going to be Black History Month. This is the first time you've ever had two black starting quarterbacks in the NFL. It's about time. This league has been more diverse of late with positions and the players that are playing it. But to get to this point, finally, it is 2023, and you have Mahomes and Hurts out there. I think it's, it's great for the game, and these are guys that are not 
in that old uh, whatever stereotype that you say they're running quarterbacks. Both of these guys have big arms, can throw the ball downfield. These are legit, complete quarterbacks. So I'm just uh, happy to see that happen here. And there's still a ways to go with coaches and all that, but this is a big step in the NFL knowing that, okay, look, these guys, we're now respecting them as complete players and not just athletes here, and that's really special. Vinny, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. All right, thank you. Uh, We're talking to Sam McEwen next. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Ah, uh, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know, and that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Hey, top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube. We're happy to have you with us as we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Damon Benning and Andrew Rogers now being joined by Sam McEwen for our Monday therapeutic session. Um, I... Do we have to pay Sam at some point for all of our therapy that we go to? With yeah, him? I feel like I've been on the black couch quite a bit with old <laughs> Sam. I am. Sam, good morning. Good morning. I'm not sure what what, what bad things have been going on in Nebraska athletics. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, where where should? Gosh, I want to. Okay, where I got. I, I know. Where I got to I gotta space this out because you got rain. So let's start. With baseball. How's that for wow. a shocker? Because Evan Bland had a great piece. I think the state wants to rally around Will Bolt. He used a couple of words that makes Nebraska football fans cringe with culture and chemistry. I think we can agree he didn't love coaching that team last year that massively underachieved. Are we okay this time around? with Coach Bolt talking about all the C's of camaraderie, chemistry, and culture? You know, I think so, yeah. Um, You know, baseball can be a sport where individual achievement can be highlighted in a way where, um, and certainly this has happened in the analytics era, where you don't talk a lot about clubhouse chemistry, you don't talk a lot about whether guys get along, Um, I think the pendulum swung too far in the direction of it's just all about numbers. Obviously you have to have cohesion in the locker room and, you know, people's emotions and their good feelings do matter in the way that you put together a team. And so I think the things that Nebraska is talking about and Evan's story is really good because it kind of gives you a sense of, of what the, what the, uh, the friendliness among the players is like, I think that stuff matters. I think when you're, on the road for four or five days, and which happens in college baseball, uh, well, you better get along to some degree. 
because uh, you take a lot of crappy vibes to the park, and it's probably not going to turn out very well. Um, it affects your decision-making, especially as a hitter, you know, all kinds of things. At the end of the story, there's an interesting little anecdote about how they've had to practice at Den Hartog, mm-hmm. uh, which is a high school field here in Lincoln. Yep. Uh, it's, it's connected to Lincoln East near Seacrest. And um, they've had to practice there instead of practicing at Haymarket. I think they're researching the field. And Bolt feels like that's been good for them because they haven't had as much, um, you know, amenities and they've had to kind of like, you know, change in their cars and kind of stuff like that. And he feels like it's been good for them because it's helped them bond. And I think it's notable that a difficult situ- situation where something is taken away makes makes a team closer. And I think that I think that's a, a statement that you could use for a lot of Nebraska athletic teams, to be honest with you. Um, I think a lot of the teams have it really good in terms of facilities and amenities and how they're treated as student-athletes. And sometimes I think you can, you can, you can uh, fail to bond because everybody's just got it great. And I think Nebraska baseball might be better off having to be a little inconvenient for once uh, at the park. And, and so I think that might actually benefit them uh, as they run up to the season. Sam, when you talk chemistry, you get expectation. But how about on the other side when you look at the unexpected, maybe the surprise? Uh, Taking a look at Nebraska basketball, a a big surprise would be the play of Sam Hoiberg. And I know that Fred said it wasn't a surprise with how well that he's been playing right away. But, of course, all dads are going to say that about their kid. They're going to say, like, oh, I I knew he had it in him from the start. But uh, from the outside looking in, how big of a surprise is it to see a walk-on's lack of hesitation and and just, um, I guess, confidence coming from somebody that wasn't highly touted um, in, in getting a scholarship coming out of high school? Yeah, I think the the willingness to to shoot is is commendable, and it's also a little bit surprising for a walk on. Um, I think that's an issue that Nebraska has in general. Like uh, one of the things you did appreciate about Juwan Gary is he didn't make a lot of shots, but he took them. <laughs> and sometimes you got to take shots. To oh, don't I know it? You know, and you just have to. And so, like. You know, Sam Hoiberg, I think, has taken more shots in the last two games than Sam Griesel. And that's not a ratio that you want. And it shouldn't be that way. Um, but but Hoiberg's making them. So he's scored 21 points uh, in the last two games. He's been really efficient doing so. It's obviously not going to last. He's going to have a game where he goes 0 for 3 and he doesn't score. And, and you know, things kind of come down to earth. But... You know, he has established himself as a minor, you know, scoring threat. And and in establishing himself as that, you know, I mean, defenses have to account for him just a little bit. So Illinois will have to account for him. Uh, Nebraska's not going to beat Illinois. I'd be very surprised if they did. But, but uh, you know, I mean, there's there's that little thing. This this is a hard it's a hard deal for for that program. They they built themselves on on uh, defense and athleticism and aggression. And the two most, the two guys that most that were the hallmarks of that are hurt. So now they have to score points, and they're not really built to do that. And so they're going to have a hard time winning games because they don't, you know, they just aren't. They're really not built to score. And um, 
I think Griezmann's got to do a lot more trying to score. To be honest with you, I you're asking Derek Walker to be you know both the point forward and the low post scorer. It's a lot to ask him. At some point, you know your your top guard got to and, and and try to make shots, even if it doesn't go well. Um, and and I think that's probably where they're at right now. Sam, uh, it's it's an interesting state of affairs. We got talking about seventy five other things last week. Weird, right? Me and you, but. <laughs> You had a good, mm-hmm. you had a sneaky good. It kind of flew under the radar with the President's Cup and the state of Nebraska's athletics. And I know sometimes it gets an eye roll, and you know whatever, and it rehashes, you know, burn and all these other different regimes. But let me ask you something, Coach Williams' team. I mean, decimated by injuries. Coach Hoiberg's team, decimated by injuries. Wrestling. Uh, still top 10 in duels, track and field. Listen, it, it, it's a little bit of a transition. Uh, football right. is what it is. Iffy. How realistic is it in 2023 to have that trophy in the points really reflect the job that you think administration is doing in their athletic department? Well, um, yeah, the chances of Nebraska ever winning that thing are, are almost zero uh, because they don't have enough sports. Texas has won it the last two years, and prior to that, I think it was UCLA or Stanford. So that shows you something about who wins those things. Um, but Trev Alberts has a, has a bonus structure tied to the Athletic Director's Cup, and the bonus starts to kick in when you hit the top 30. So obviously Nebraska believes that it can hit the top 30. Um, so that's kind of the that's kind of the uh, you know the, the the measurement point is top twenty five top thirty I think the last time they hit the top twenty five top thirty was uh, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there um, they they I think they were twenty third or something like that so yeah I think they can make the top thirty and there's a bonus structure tied to that so if they're willing to put it in a contract then I think we're we need to pay attention to it at least to that degree which is why we do it and we'll do it anyway because. You know, it, it is a it is a measurement of overall athletic department strength. Nebraska has is well funded in a number of sports, um, desires to be really competitive in a number of sports. Um, I think it's hard in tennis and golf, although tennis has good facilities. I think it's challenging, and so I'm a little bit more lenient. And and they're starting new, basically. Yeah, and and then the rifle thing that you know is what it is. Um, but, you know, the tennis and golf are the two that I think are hard because, you know, you're in Nebraska, and it, it, even though there's incredible golf courses in the state, uh, it's hard for kids, I think, great golfers to necessarily want to come here, especially if they don't have a practice facility. But the majority of the sports, I, I mean, you know, they have good recruiting budgets. They they desire to win, um, and, and they're not going out there to uh, just to field a team. And so – you pay attention to that stuff. Um, there's probably like a cohort of ten sports that I, you know, I pay the closest attention to: football, volleyball, both basketball, baseball, softball, wrestling, soccer. The two track teams, probably base that, that, you know, and then I, you know, bowling. I guess and bowling scores a lot of points for them, but there's only like fifteen schools doing it. Um, so you know, those are the ones I pay the closest attention to, and and you know. Some of those teams haven't had very good years in the last three to five years. And and I think Trev Alberts wants 
the athletic department to be good. So I do think that stuff matters. Uh, Nebraska had its lowest finish ever last year. Uh, I think they they may have their lowest finish again this year. And that, that points to an athletic department both in transition but also not maximizing the resources um, that it's been given. And, and trying. And so I think part of Trev's job is figuring out how to maximize that. And the baseball team will be a team worth watching um, because, you know, again, they have the wherewithal to switch out their roster to a significant degree. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that not every big, not every big 10 team has that luxury. So if you, if you give the coach the luxury of, of like flushing half the team and adding a whole brand new group of teams, which is all kinds of onboarding for academics and all kinds of stuff, then, you know, let's see where the, let's see where the production goes. We're speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and uh, Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. Toss him a follow on Twitter, at SWMcEwenOWH. Sam, you talked about sports that you pay attention to and um, the ones that have had success, um, one of them being Nebraska wrestling and uh, the work that they've been doing not only this year but just, but just you know – in years past, and that I think all comes back to. Not, it's to the athletes, of course, but Mark Manning has a very big impact on that program. He got to 300 against Wisconsin. Uh, without him, do you think Nebraska is in the same position as they are today? And his and his his, um, his critics are tough. Like. He's like yeah. a victim yeah. of his own barometer. Correct. It's almost like people don't realize what conference they wrestle in. I'm like, what are we talking about here yeah. these last four or five years? It drives me bonkers. Yeah, so, you know, they probably have the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten every year. And, and you know, Penn State and Iowa have established themselves. And are, they're, they're going to be hard to, to displace yeah. Yeah. from that, from where they're at. Um and there's reasons for that. We don't. It's it's a little different in wrestling. How how you get for good recruits and and who's training at your at your school? Penn State obviously has its own training center. Uh, I you know I think uh, Burroughs moved out that way. Um, it's it's hard. It's, it's so yeah. The, he's doing an incredible job. They've always been great in the middleweights. They recruit some of the best uh, you know middleweight wrestlers in the world. <laughs> um, you know, he, uh, Manning certainly got things changed when, you know, they were good, but I think things got even better when Jordan Burroughs got there. Jordan Burroughs comes there because of a guy named Vince Jones, who is another wrestler from out that way in New Jersey. And then Burroughs comes because of Jones. Uh, and then they've gotten great wrestlers all, all over the place since. Uh, so, you know, they're a top 10 team. They, they, they beat pretty handily all the teams that, that aren't named Iowa and Penn State. It's hard to beat Iowa and Penn State. You know that's just that's just the deal. So uh, he's doing a great job, and and I think he's been a good leader in the athletic department. People forget, uh, or a lot of people just don't know that he took over an athletic department. He took over a program that was that fired, basically fired the coach. I don't know. Maybe I can't remember if Tim Newman resigned or not. But yeah. but uh, you know, it was an NCAA violation deal. Right? Yeah, like yeah, was, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, and I, Tim's a great guy too. So Egg, yeah. what he was trying to do, yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim's a great guy. And what he was trying to do would be legal today under NIL. And so we, yeah, you know, we don't need to go down that road. But the point is that Mark Manning took that over, and it wasn't easy uh, right away. And so he's built it, and he's a steady force, and 
Um, sure hope Matt Rule gets over to chat with him. Matt, Mark, Mark likes football. And so, yeah, I, I probably talk to Manning like once a year. Uh, used to talk to Pepin about once a year, maybe twice a year. It's always good to check in with, with the old school coaches who have been around a long time and had a lot of success because they have insights that, that maybe some of the newer folks around don't have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Manning's doing a great job. He just won his 300th yesterday, so congrats to him. Sam, who else pulls this off with all that's going on and the goodwill that they're building for Matt Rule to get Gregory back in the building, <laughs> come yeah. out with a video of all the guys that <laughs> this could have happened yeah. around. They get RG44 with all that. I mean, is there anything more coach rule than embracing the underdog fresh off the overturned suspension? The like, yeah, is, is that is there anything more rule like than running to seeming fires and putting them out? Yeah, I, I'll. I'll Hopefully we get to that question on Wednesday. He's going to talk on signing day, and I would be curious to know what 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 uh, led to Randy coming back. And, you know, I mean, it is so uh, rural. For people who cover this, yeah, good. It's just, I, I laugh. I, I saw the video yeah, and I yeah. and I chuckle. I'm like, that is so coach rule. It's not even funny. Yeah, I mean, Randy is, uh, you know, for people who have covered the program, I think there's not that many people that know, but Randy's a, for all the things that he's been through and put himself through, I mean, it's, some of it's on him, uh, is, is a smart, uh, thoughtful, um, dynamic guy who was was really fun to cover, um, great player, but, but sharp, um, you know, probably a value and asset to talking to some guys that might be there now. Uh, he certainly understands the pro game in a unique way. Uh, so, you know, it was good. It's good to have him back. I'd be curious to know how it all came together. And, yeah. like, um, you know, and that's a credit to Randy, too. Now, when he left, he was pissed um, that oh, Bo got yeah, fired. Now, yeah, yeah. You know, there was a lot going on in his life at that time. So, um, you know, I don't know that he left with, like, uh, deep antipathy. Nebraska's always stood behind him. Um, and so, like, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, it wasn't like, um, you know, the, the deal with Sue is he, he kind of got frozen out under, uh, I can't remember what it was, but people didn't treat Sue very well one time when he came back. And so he, I don't know that that ever happened to Randy. So I think he, you know, it's good to see him back. I don't, I, I think that things were pretty good between him and Nebraska. Um, but it's still, it was kind of cool to see. It was good to see, um, because Nebraska needs to hold on to its NFL kids, you know, like the NFL guys. They have to, they have to, own, you know, be proud of that and be excited for it. Um, and uh, there'll be a couple. Uh, there'll be a couple in the Super Bowl. You know, Boodle on the the Chiefs side. I don't know if he's activated, but Sue and Stoll on the Eagles side. That's uh, and and Jurgen. Jurgen says play, but but Sue and Stoll. That's that's pretty cool. So um, they got to. They don't have enough NFL guys. They got to get more of them. But the ones they do have, they have to try to support and, and grow bridges too. Sam, speaking of Matt Rule, 
and uh, an article that you wrote actually yesterday, which was a great piece. If you want to check it out, go to the Omaha World Herald, and uh, that's omaha.com to sign up. You can read Sam's piece. Sam, you talked about kind of like the coaching tree and how it, it, it started, you know, with Solich and then it went all the way down to Matt Rule, but how when every coach took over, they were kind of a product of the other success. But when you look at Matt Rule, um, you could say that, you know, there isn't a lot of success looming. Um, what are the expectations for Matt Rule compared to recent head coaches? Do you think they're greater because of what he's been doing in the offseason versus, um, say, when, when Frost took over and he was kind of in a different place because he was looked at as the savior coming off of Riley, but, you know, mm. following Pelini and following Solich and things like that. When you, when you talk about looming success and that not being there with Rule, what would you say the expectations are? It's interesting. So I think so much of the expectations that have been built in um, you know, have have been related to who's got the job and whether that person is tied to Tom Osborne. So when Frank Solich got the job, obviously he was supposed to be good because he was selected by Tom and there was expectations and they were disappointing in 98 and so on and so forth. When Callahan took the job, they just fired Frank. So if you're going to fire a nine-win coach, you better come in and win nine yourself. And if you don't win nine yourself, well, then, you know, you weren't as good as the guy that was just there. And we never, you know, there's, there's a group of people that's like, you never should have fired Frank and so on and so forth. So then Bo comes in and it's like, well, Tom hired him. So he gets more leeway because Callahan was the villain. And then Bo won right away. When Riley comes in, you know, Sean Eichhorst is the villain. Riley needs to win right away. You fired a nine-win coach. You can't do that. That's not okay. So, you know, there, there's this pendulum back and forth. And then Scott comes in, and I think Scott was a little trickier. Um, I do think that Scott had what was considered to be a long runway, but in reality was shorter than we appreciated. One of those things is because his boss went out and, you know, rambled about how they were going to beat Michigan and Ohio State. But the other part is I think really people really did think that, and this was not necessarily fair to Scott, that he was going to come in and, like, become the savior. And... The oh, expectations yeah. that were placed on Scott were like, you are like Osborne Jr., and that's not fair. So Rule comes in, and I think finally now, Nebraska fans are like, we don't know. We don't, we don't, we obviously, they don't know what how to win it with Scott. And Riley didn't get it done. And Bo won, but he was, but he, but he burned himself alive trying to win. Callahan wasn't the answer. So now I think Rule has a chance to actually just, write the script himself in a way that no coach has had since Bob Devaney. So then Rule comes out last week and says that, well, I don't want this to be a slow burn because I think last year was that for them. And and people are going to use that. They're just mm-hmm. going to be like, well, you said it wasn't going to take very long and you only won four games. And there's still people within, you know, the whatever, the, not the, the decision-making structure, but in within the influence structure that are still mad that Frank got let go. And – I don't like, or or still mad that you know Bill Byrne was the AD thirty five years ago, and so like until that, you can't. There are. I mean, it's like, uh, you well, know what's I, funny, and we we've only got ninety seconds here, Sam. But you know what's funny? I love the fact that Coach Rule has buoyed 
the getting out to small towns and being everywhere and working his ass off versus the same guy that said, you were four and eight, please don't tell me who to hire and who not to hire, and why are you worried about what I'm doing? I've done this before. So I think he's done a very, has quiet, subconsciously, he's crept into, you know what, I got this, relax, versus, hey, I'm all in and I'm listening, but not too right. much, right? Like. His ba- I'm telling you, he's, he knows what the heck he's doing. Yeah, I agree. I think he's done a very good job. I, and I think he's impressed Osborne, and that's helpful. I, I know it should. I mean, that's, that's helpful. <laughs> that's that funny. We're texting as that. we speak. <laughs> so, you know, what do you text? Oh, I was just talking. I was just never mind. It, <laughs> it's a side note with Coach Osborne. Never mind. I. That's just funny. You said that, you, you, Sam. You know what the heck you're talking about, too, man. That's for sure. Okay, Sam. We Take appreciate care. it, man. For, Thanks for so much. sure. Yep. Appreciate you, Sam. We'll talk again next week. That's a smart dude. Very smart. Uh, <laughs> Sam McEwen, again, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World-Herald and Husker Extra. Um, it, it, we're going to continue talking Husker football next. The dead period begins this week and how the work doesn't stop. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back. Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We will talk Creighton basketball in a few minutes, so stick around. All of you Creighton fans out there, don't worry. We didn't forget about you and the big win that you had on Saturday. DB's got a good story, too, so stick around at 845 to hear that. We're talking Husker football once again, following the conversation with Sam McEwen. The dead period begins, but the work doesn't stop for Matt Rule and his staff as early signing period right around the corner before we get to the dead period stopping point though we were talking all last week db on how they finally have started to fill depth in areas that were needed but the one thing they were missing was defensive line we were like they need to get somebody on the defensive line they need a little bit more room there and they got it they you know we've been asking for dl depth and dl depth doeth come is doeth a word is it uh, maybe in Shakespeare? Sure. Um, <laughs> All right, William. <laughs> let Let's try. Let me, Let me try to pronounce his name. Sua Lefatu. Lafatu, Lefatu, Lefatu, Lefatu. Did I, I say that at all? I, I think. Did, I, did was that the first one I said? Hey, they got one. How about that? Lefatu. What they say in Ghostbusters, Shane? I think we got one. We got one. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I thought that was the drop. It was. They were waiting on business. And uh, they got size, too, which size is what they were lacking up front. And uh, it looks like they found it in 285 pounds, uh, 6'4", Sua, left it too. But imagine getting into the mix this late and playing catch-up and still gaining the recruit. Uh, many coaches can't achieve that feat, but not Matt Rule's staff. As long as they don't leave anything to what, DB? Chance. To chance, that a boy. They'll do whatever it takes to bring the got right you. guys in. To this program. This is what Lefitu said. I really connected with the coaching staff. And 
instant bond. Coach Rule is all about development. Last Friday, we talked about a clear message to share with recruits, mm-hmm. whether it, do you have one or do you say you don't, but you're being honest and transparent. No matter who you're talking to, I lean on the side of being in the know. This right here proves exactly why. Whatever Matt Rule says is what's shared by either members of his staff or himself. Everyone is on the same page. Listen, uh, he has me to the point now. We were talking about some things yesterday. Uh, you know, dead period, not dead period. Kind of just some plans. And I'm not going to kid you. I, I th- I'll say this out loud just because I don't care. But um, there are times, I, I think, and some of our listeners are going to be like, no kidding. Like, I, I'd like to think I know people pretty well. And I think I'm fairly okay when it comes to aptitude, right? Like, just knowing people, being a conversationalist. Like, I've seen a lot. I've had a lot happen to me. I've, I've been to a lot of places. So I, I feel like I have a, I, I, like God's kind of just gifted me with a little discernment, right? Like, I think I know people. There are times when I talk to Coach Rule that he has me second-guessing myself. I, yeah, right? Like In what way? Andrew, it's weird. Um, so I almost wonder, like, is, there, is this candid camera? Is he messing with me? Is he that smart? But number one, he's younger than me. So, but not better looking. No, I'm sure he is. Have you seen his beard? <laughs> no, I'm sure. So he's he so he so he he's him. younger than me, and I think he has. Let's say the the world experiences are the same, right? I mean, I've been overseas, been cut, been fired, been fired. I was fired by one of my best friends. I guess I was fired. He said, "I think I'm going to take you up on your offer. It'd be a good idea what you said yesterday. If you want to leave, you should go ahead and go." right? Been through divorce, like just a lot. And when I listen to him or we go back and forth, I'm like, is he messing with me or is he that out in front? And sometimes I don't know which it is. All I know for sure is I'm going with it because I'm, I'm taking him at his word when he says, I don't leave. I told you that's the most resounding thing he's ever said to me. I, I don't leave much to chance. I talk to a lot of people that have dealt with him, that he's dealt with, places that he's been. I've tried to do my homework because I don't know if you know this about me. I hate being wrong. So if I am, I'm going to say it early. I'm not even going to argue with him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? That's you on me. me. That's on me. You know, three, two, one, let's dap up. Like, that's, that's on me. I, I'll eat it because I just don't like going through that stuff. I I, I just... So far, he's been unbelievable. I don't, I don't know what that means in terms of wins and losses. I look at his staff. I look at his direction. I look at the places. I look at his schedule. You know, we're trying to map out a few things, and I'm like, hey, are you, in link? Like, are you back? He's giving me his coaches off days when they're in, in, in the office. The whole Randy Gregory thing. Like, I don't know. A lot of – some people know. Some people don't, but there's a lot that comes with bringing Randy Gregory back to Lincoln. 
and it's way deeper than just, hey, man, come hang out with me. I love you. Let's shoot a video. Number one, that's not Randy Gregory. Number two, he's returning to a place that elicits a lot of different feelings for him. Do you remember when we were talking Friday, too, about even the school right down the road at UNO? Mm -hmm. And they brought back the football team from years back when they left a bad taste in somebody's mouth. But they're here to get everybody back on the yeah. same track. Wow. It's the same thing up there. You almost wonder, DB, By the if way, when I'm, I'm Trev... A, I'm a big fan of his, too. You almost wonder if... Adrian. Tre- yep. If when Trev and Rule were at UNO, if they had a conversation with uh, Adrian or any of the other staff members on, hey, how'd you, how did you pull this off so that we can do similar things up there? I mean, there's just a lot that comes with RG44. And... We joke, and sometimes we talk. We're like, "Oh man, you know, Trev's a lot like Coach Rule." We've said that, right? What did Coach Rule say at his presser? He wasn't blowing smoke when he said, "A lot of my dis." First of all, he said, "Yeah, I had other job offers." <laughs> Everybody's like, "Wow, did he just say that?" Like most people don't admit that. But he said it was about the relationship that he had with Trev and Ted Carter. And the more that I'm kind of watching this thing, the more that I'm seeing how they want to function and what Coach Rule believes in and his wife in terms of the staff and the administration, working through the contract, working with Carolina, being patient, coming back the second time, a lot. Trev trying to go back and get the football team with the Marlon Briscoe statue and bringing in guys, um, uh, you know, former football players and putting them on that panel and recognizing and understanding what happened with Coach Denny and the ability to go back and try to get. And I look at what is it about Coach Rule where he seems to always want to run into the burning building. What it's is great, it? That's a great analogy. It's not mine. It's Jim in Minnesota on Twitter. He's like, why does, he, why does Coach Rule always want to run to the fire? That's what I'd like to know. And I said, say no more. We're going to figure that out. Right? Uh, good follow on Twitter, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Temple or Baylor or Nebraska or going to get my guy RG44. I call him RG44 because we've always had, we've, we, we've had, a, we've had a really good relationship he got me in, in a little bit of a hot water with his former coach because I felt like I was privy to some things that maybe his current coach at that time didn't know, and so his coach called me on it, literally. Literally. Hey, <laughs> what the bleepity bleep bleep bleep. So I'm like, hey, man, listen. So we had to go through that. That's a former life. But for him to come back and do that video and be happy and embrace what was going on and be a part of it, to get to the fleeks to come over after a six-year, to get IGC out of the portal, to do his homework that he did with bets, to rehab guys like Hassan Reddick and know that there's better in you and Robbie Anderson and guys like that. You know me. You, you're around me every day. That's kind of what I gravitate. So I admit that I may lack a little objectivity, but I'm willing to get burned because I'm riding with a guy that I think – could take the easy road, and he hasn't yet. And I can't tell you the power that there is. If he gets Sue to come back and do some promos, 
and 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 and, and be mm-hmm. all in. It's over. And you latch on to how about Trev going back to get Solich? Like, there's just weird things where I feel like they're connected, right? In terms of what they want mm-hmm. f- to grow the greater good, that they're willing to lay down, swallow humble pie, because at the end, it's good for everybody. We'll change gears. We'll talk Creighton basketball next. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. Stick with us. It's Coffee and Cream. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Oh, look at this. Shot him in. Oh, what a shot. We want to tip our cap to Greg McDermott and the entire program here at Creighton for a phenomenal pink out game. And what a scene it's been here today. Unbelievable. And on their pink out day, the Blue Jays looking very good against the Big East top team. Coach, I think this was a great scene today with this pink out. You started this here and look at the way it was. I mean, I think it was an unbelievable day. Yeah, I mean, we started at Northern Iowa in 2005 and it followed us to Iowa State. Then it's taken on a life of its own here in Omaha. Hey, before we get to Creighton Talk, I want to take a few moments to uh, talk about Dingman's Collisions Center. Dingman's is your one-stop shop for all your car needs. Maybe your car didn't start this morning. Because it's one degree outside, at least that's when I checked my phone. Maybe it's warmed up now that the sun is out. But say your car didn't start. Where do you take your car? You take it over to Dingman's because they can fix it up for you. They've been in the business for over 25 years here in Omaha. They're family-owned, a family-run local business. They invest in the latest technology. They work on all makes and models from Fords to Teslas. Did your front bumper fall off, DB, when you pulled into your no, parking I'm, spot I'm, this I'm morning? Good. I'm good so far. I know far. Shane's didn't because he parks three feet back. I, but maybe I use, Shane's my, I use my T-square, so I yeah. feel like I'm in there. And perfect. maybe Shane's bumper fell off because a car came by because he's too far sticking out of the spot. Who knows? If any of those things happen, if, where do you take your car? If that was to happen, I feel I have a pretty good place I could take that to, which would be Dingman's. That a boy. And why are you taking it to Dingman, Shane? Because of Darcy. <laughs> Outside of that, why are you taking it to Dingman, Shane? Because there's no other they reason. There, <laughs> because, because 25 they, years, we, we do local, <laughs> right? It's family-owned and operated. Guys, the answer is they've been voted first place best of Omaha for 18 years running. So do not ding yourself. Yep, let's hear those cars, uh, those tire squeals. No, not that, Shane. Deadpan straight face. He said there's no other reason. There's no I'm other reason. I'm on my way. <laughs> Which location you go into? One of the four, hopefully, in the metro. Right down the street, the 120th of Maple. Standalone mechanical shop that DB just referenced there. Go to dingwins.com to learn more or just hop in the car with Shane because he goes every day to see Darcy. Co- Coach Mac does that. His blazer was unbelievable. How about just the jerseys, too, that they were oh, wearing? Oh, those were so Oh, sweet. those the, were filthy. Did shoot? they sell those, like, for so, charity? So I loved – I don't know if Coach Mack was rocking the Kyries, but they were, like, low-top pink. Those were pretty. Those, those were legit. But a lot of the other staff had on these white Air Maxes with the pink. Oh, I'm like – I'm looking at my buddy because – you're like, how do I get a pair of those? Well, well, he te- he he texts early on Saturday. I did think, how could I get one of those? But I don't want to be, you know. I, I, believe me, I want to ask, but I didn't. Ask. <laughs> right. Like, uh, and I'd be willing to pay for it, right? I mean, it's cool. I I just want access. But anyway, so my buddy, he didn't text until 
maybe it was in the eighth, closer to nine. He's like, hey, you know, my daughter's not going. And he asked me a lot, and I probably should say yes more. But I, again, don't want to be that guy. But he's such a good dude. So I was meet the Robinsons out <laughs> with Zoe. I'm like. You're like, it's 625. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm looking at Andrew on my television. <laughs> he totally <laughs> hoodwinked the kid to come fix your time machine. Do you do? You look just like that dude, by the way. And uh, outside he, of the manipulation. So, so I took it down to kind of the wire because I wasn't sure because West I had, had an early game and it turns out I could have missed that game and not missed anything. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's how you feel. I do, but it, it, listen, it, it's not it's not on that staff. It's on the guys. It, it's on West Side's guys. Until losing hurts as much as winning feels good, it doesn't matter what Coach Simons and those guys say. They, they don't play hard enough. But anyway, so <laughs> eventually they said, yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, we'll meet at 1045. I'm like, shoot, man, it's 11-12 tip. I hate crowds. Right? I'm not, I don't – like we're pushing it. Listen. My guy, somehow finagle, he parks in the garage, skipped like 68 people in the parking garage, looked, went to the gate that I didn't even think was open. Most people are going to the first one. Mm-hmm. He goes to the second one. They wave him in, scans his little parking code, parks on the first level. An attendant, I dropped that in air quotes, opens the door for us. No line, no nothing. We go under the tunnel. We come out 15 feet from the floor. The The drinking area is 30 feet from us. He says, hey, do you want to grab a water before we sit down? And I was like, there's no one down here. How are you pulling? This is what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> like, there's what? no one down here. How are you pulling You're this You're almost off? like, is this Marilyn Monroe? Like, where are the tunnels going? Dude, total rock star syndrome, right? And he doesn't, he's real, He's unassuming. And he's not saying anything. So it's not like he's, you know, he's beating his chest. We're in our seats at like 11.04 watching warm-ups. And he doesn't say a word like, yeah, this is just what I do. I saw all of about seven people. On the way in, it was the most extraordinary, unbelievable thing. I said, I, I've been with some guys mm-hmm. before that like like to circumvent what everybody else is doing. Most one, most notably, one of my old bosses, and he's actually named the broadcast booth in Lincoln during football games. <laughs> so he's that guy. I'm like, how does this happen? The the the, the guy that opened the door for you is like working when you send him the text he's waiting at the door peeking through the window to to pull it open, to open it up i'm like i should have said yes more often you're a movie star but, but no because i don't like you know that's just not my jam i just don't like but your jam is getting through in he seven was minutes so time, seeing seven people he and watching seven minutes of yeah. warm-ups <laughs> I should have said yes the other 15 times. Yeah, I mean, super. Du- like, well, now you're going to say yes every time, and it's not going to. No, so it's not going to compete with I, this. I made the mistake of showing Caleb, and he's like, "Oh man, I got to get there." I was like, "He's asked you 30 times mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to go to a game, and you've, you know, it's always it's always something. I bet he'll go the next time." <laughs> Yeah, but now he knows the experience. Once Dude, you get an experience like that, you always want to go. There, there, I used to go to Blues games and sit in the club seats. Yeah. They were family tickets, dealership seats. Yeah. And so you knew that they were going to be good. 
But once you got there, you get a parking pass. You park in the garage, right? You're and, you're, and you're like Mr. Efficient, too, so that fits your – Oh, yeah, <laughs> in and out. How, um, how, how well are they playing right now, though? I mean, let's uh, be honest. Let's, let's say not great. No, not the Blues. The Jays. Oh, I was going to say. Second um, game like, in a eh. row with all five guys in double figures. Right. I, I wa- so, You know I have a weird affinity for Coach Mack, right? I watched him in the first three minutes sit Kaluma down almost before the television timeout. I watched the whole dialogue. Watched him go back and forth, and he sat Art for a second. Like mm-hmm. a good, I don't know, it seemed like five, six minutes of actual like game time. Mason Miller was the one that came in yeah. for him. And got him really good minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shoot, man, this is, I'm, I'm totally vibing with Max team. I'm watching his staff work close and talk together. And I just watch how they share the ball. And for whatever the reason, Xavier got away from getting free mantle shots. Because, you know, he started four of his first five. And I'm sitting next to my brother's, or my buddy's brother-in-law. He's part of this Albion Mafia crew. And I'm like, gosh, he's three or four. He's four or five. I said, free mantle's tough. He's a tough matchup. Then I'm just kind of watching this game progress. Everybody will talk about shooting 57% and 48% or whatever from three. How about how they stymied such a good offensive team? Mm-hmm. Only that turning was the biggest takeaway. Drew down. They only turned Xavier over nine times. They don't foul. Oh, I said that for They don't Hey, foul. give me something on that. I always said it has to be intentional how he coaches those guys. I've said this for years. They play defense without fouling, and Xavier just couldn't. Was you don't give any freebies. Was that the same Sule Boom that no. we saw take over the last four minutes in Cincinnati? He had his first bucket with like seven minutes to go in the first Not, half. Non-existent. And then what did he end with? I, he was over. I don't think Sule Boom scored. I think he had one bucket. I think he had one jump. Oh, yeah, he's one of five. In 36 minutes. So he had two points? Yeah. Two points is what they held him to. He averages, what, 16 on the year or something like that? They're, they're, they're clicking right now. I'm, I'm all in on the John Fanta buy stock now because mm-hmm. you got it cheap. How about that? I know. Just a week ago, <laughs> I know. John Fanta hops on and probably gives one of the bigger hot takes we've had in a while yeah. on this show. And now a week later, it doesn't even feel like a hot take. Yeah. It, At and, all. And best wishes figuring out the conference. You got a one through four? Well, I'll tell you what. Three got, teams are nine and two, and then Creighton is seven and three. I got to show you Matt DeMarinis' tweet. It was unbelievable. And he's so good. You know, he's like that crack statistician guy. Did you see the sh- – and I immediately thought of your poll that I almost laughed you off your own show for <laughs> when you're talking about Kalkbrenner's right. value because you put him tops in the country and rolling in like week three yeah, <laughs> of college basketball. Was it, like, wasn't, it, was, it was very early. That's like, a hot take. I'm like, it's a little premature, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. But go go look at Matt DeMarina's Twitter account. Right now? Yeah, and look at the shooting percentages the last nine games since Kalkbrenner has come back. I think, and I'm going off the top of my melon here, as you can attest, I think guys like Baylor Shireman are shooting 75% from two and 40-some percent from three. 
just look at how everybody's numbers yep. have changed. Go ahead. You Arthur Kaluma, 30.2% from three, 56.6% inside po- five This is feet. without Kalkbrenner, right? Yeah, this is the first 12 games. Okay. Shireman, 37.8% from three, 53.8% inside five feet. Nemhard, 27.5% from three, 50% inside five feet. Trey Alexander, 39.5% from three, 50% inside five feet. The last nine games since Kalkbrenner returned. Again, this is Matt DeMarinas on Twitter, at MJ DeMarinas. Kaluma, 38.1% from three, 59.2% inside five feet. That's a 3% upgrade. Shireman, 42.3% from three. That's a 5% upgrade. 75% inside <laughs> five feet. That's a lot of an upgrade. Nemhart, 40% from three, 58.6% inside five feet. And Alexander, 42.5% from three, 65.2% inside five feet. We'll continue all of this and more on Morning Dumb. Stick around there. But that's it for Coffee and Cream. We'll see you tomorrow. There's a little bit more juice in the building.